Martin Scorsese traps Leo on yet another island. Denzel gets his first Oscar nomination, and it's a big week for one Mr. Vin Diesel. This week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Later Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you through three decades of movies, TV, news, video games, books, television, and so very much more. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Diana Goodman. Give him hell, 54! It's me, Sarah. <laughs> and in case you don't know what we do, 302010, we look at three decades, meaning uh, in where we're, from where we're recording, February 14th through the 20th. Happy Valentine's Day, I say with a capital Ooh. M. I uh, just yeah. I want to pronounce it like that from here on out. It yeah. just sounds so much better. I Valentine's. always think of um, uh, Thirty Rock, the Valentine's mm-hmm. Day episode. So Valentine's. good. Valentine's. Valentine's Day, uh, and we'll be taking you through February fourteenth to the twentieth in nineteen ninety two thousand and twenty tens. Three very different decades, three very different times. But we get to talk about a lot of stuff by covering things this way, as you'll soon find out. And I also wanted to say this show is executive produced by one. I'm going to say Jose Perez, because there's a lot of other names in there. I know how you Latinos do, but I don't want to mispronounce any of them. Those two, I got. So thank you very much, Jose, and many other people like him at patreon.com slash lasertime, where for five bucks they help support this show, all our other ones, and get extra stuff every single month, including coming up very soon, a look at uh, in-depth look at all the video games we've talked about in 30 2010 in January. Um, let's see if we can stick with that. It has been a crazy week. If you haven't heard Oscar time yet, our annual Oscar show, please go listen to that. It is the longest and biggest one ever, but I think it's it's one of the more interesting. It made me laugh in edits more than usual. So, um, yeah, the sketches were really, really fun this year. And a big thanks to everyone who helped out with that. And I think everybody wrote a little piece of something. I apologize again for what happened with Little Women. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to need to have an HR meeting after this yeah. recording. Oh, thank God I'm H- I'm the HR department. <laughs> yeah, come sit on my lap. Tell me what he said. <laughs> a little bit of news to bring you into 1990, February 14th to the 20th. On the 14th uh, of February, Voyager 1 spacecraft turned back uh, toward its home for one last look, four billion miles from the sun, and then years later would appear in Star Trek 1. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that was it. Uh, Voyager snapped the first ever family portrait of our solar system. Uh, Earth appears yeah. as uh, Carl Sagan put it, a pale blue dot sitting in a sunbeam. Carl Sagan, yeah, makes you yeah. feel so tiny. It does. It really does. I mean, the family portrait is—it's all the planets. It's six of them, mm. all there, and you realize that's a lot of distance. It's very far. Mm. I didn't realize. Yeah, Voyager one, Viger. As track fans know it does. Launched in 77, it is still going. It has left our solar system. It is about 13.8 billion miles away. Fuck me. Wow. So how I can't imagine how long its information takes to get back to us because it's operating on 1980s technology. It's got a Zach Morris cell phone in it. 1977 technology. It is working on me technology. That's how fucking old it is. Is that the one that has... Its knees hurt now. It gets insomnia. It doesn't understand kids' music. Is that I the, don't know what a Billie <laughs> Eilish is. It has the golden um, record on it with the so. different yeah. ways of saying hello and how we're going to represent ourselves to yeah. 
Alien good good call, assuming all Alien Knife would have a record player. Yeah. <laughs> Gold. Ooh, they must be very fancy. Vinyl, it always comes back. <laughs> yep. I just like That's the when we warm get the message. Send more Chuck Berry. It just, it's so warm in my alien planet. Sounds, mm. sounds so warm. Sweet. I just, I'm already tired of my Nirvana Unplugged from Walmart. <laughs> I, <laughs> this V'ger. Anyway, uh, movies of 1990. Oh. Driving, but this, are, are aliens going to be offended out there? I apologize. No, 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 I apologize. Like, oh, sweet, I finally have something to do cocaine on. <laughs> I can pick my seeds out of my weed on this golden album cover. Uh, <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy is still number one at the box office in 1990 as we start the show February 14th to the 20th. Yeah, but we do have some more movies to talk about. Some good, most bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know about Moon Fit 44, but it sounds like the t- type of thing. If I saw this coming on TV, I would have watched the hell out of it. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Moon 44 with uh, Michael Pere, Lisa Eichhorn, and Dean Devlin is um, visually, it's ripping off Blade Runner pretty hard, um, but it's about like there's there's some space pilot stuff and they got they're being attacked by a thing and every review is just ripping the shit out of like this is Mm. terrible Mm. but it is historically interesting in that that's where director roland emmerich met dean devlin then an actor who became his producer on all their big hits your independence days and godzilla's this is the movie that caused them wow and he was an actor yeah and he was not the hanna-barbera evil evil knievel ripoff you promise i promise okay Something like that. <laughs> Dean Devlin. A Courage Mountain. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds so Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Of, of the era Disney Channel. Charlie oh. Sheen and Juliet Catan. In a, you want to hear it? Make it even more Disney Channel? What? It's a sequel to Heidi. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. I, when I looked it up. Is I, Charlie Sheen Heidi? No. Right. <laughs> Papa. Grandpapa. Yeah, Papa. <laughs> Drugs, <laughs> Papa. <laughs> Got drugs in my tiger blood, Papa. Uh, yeah, Courage uh, Mountain. Really, I can't. I don't even remember what Heidi is about. Or if, it is about a girl who lives with her uncle or grandpapa, right? Grandpapa. Grandpapa. I read it a bunch when I was a kid, and I don't remember anything about it except for it's a little blonde girl living with her grandpa. Unless you're it. in Japan, where she has dark hair. And she is uh, was the semi recent star of a bunch of safety belt campaigns. Oh, okay, <laughs> yes, it's that very makes weird. Perfect sense. And so there were to- every when I was there in 2014, there was a little bunch of Heidi toys ah. uh, based on the seatbelt campaign. Okay. Anywho, the movies for 1990. Yes, three out out of the movies we're talking about, three of them I started and did not finish because I was so bored by them. Oh, is this yeah. one? Yes, and this yeah, is one. they're pretty much all bad except for one. Yeah, I have to imagine Madhouse was the same. Yes. You made a gross face because this movie is gross. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. made a very prepubescent Christopher very excited. Christie Kirstie Alley does a couple like weirdo strip teases oh, and like those yeah. are panties and she John Larroquette's very face. Sexual, yes. Yeah. And it's it's oh. a it's a it's baffling that this movie would be made at all because its premise is like so fucking sitcommy. Mm-hmm. And it's PG thirteen because yeah, it was ribald at the time. Well, no, I mean I'm not baffled by this. This I feel like this is the perfect eighties movie. This is like a kind of a relic. Obviously, the script was written in the eighties and maybe bounced around for a while <laughs> yeah. before getting made because the it's basically like Christmas Vacation or the Burbs in a way yeah. where like 
a seemingly normal family is being terrorized by all these wacky characters yes. that are unredeemable. But also a, a, a mean film along with yes, Problem Child. Super mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I like I I still really like John Lark had a lot. Sure, and, I yeah. like in terms Alley. of a movie that like needed to find a lead. Mm-hmm. He's a good lead for for this type of film. Yeah, a semi sleazy kind of selfish guy. Uh, but I think what the premise is just that like. This couple has their dream home pretty much all wrapped up and things keep happening that keep causing them to have to share their home mm-hmm. with more and more people. Mm-hmm. I say that mm-hmm. with two dogs and someone else stomping around upside, <laughs> uh, upstairs and a bunch of arcade machines in my garage. Uh, I'm feeling it right now. So I'm feeling Madhouse. <laughs> I had this on tape from a Showtime free preview and I watched it all the time. Okay. And I didn't so know how to masturbate, but I, if, I, if I could, I would have because it made me very, very, very hot. <laughs> mostly because that... First, first theatrical appearance by Dennis Miller. Babe. Yep. Babe. Yep. <laughs> we have to do something about these people. Then, one day. You touch me, I sue you. Mark and Jesse snapped. When house guests become house pets, it's time to exterminate. John Larroquette, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, they're animals, they're cockroaches. We have a nuclear war. The only living thing to survive will be houseguests! <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm not sure if the millennials out there can really connect with the problem of having houseguests. All <laughs> 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 well, my spare bedrooms are taken <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> but I think, yeah, like his, his brother and his pregnant wife have to come mm-hmm. live with him. Then the neighbor's house falls down and the neighbors have to live in the house. And they're like practically living out on the front lawn. I this I didn't realize this would seem like such a relic, but I watch this all the time. Mm. Madhouse uh, cannot say it's a good movie. No, no, nope. <laughs> nope. no. But I'm no. I know people are, are with me out there. I've I've seen the responses. Uh, I also haven't seen, but I hadn't seen Nightbreed, starring Charles Say, David Cronenberg, starring uh, and yep. Bobby and Craig Sheffer. Nightbreed. Mm-hmm. Let's. Yep. Well, part of the problem is going to be this ad and the tone it sets. Boone and Laurie, they were warned to stay away. Ain't nothing but dead folk. But didn't listen. Now, they're no longer lovers. For she's become the hunted. And he's become one of the night breed. From the creator of Hellraiser, Nightbreed, rated R. Nightbreed. <laughs> I've not heard of Nightbreed at all, but a Clive Barker joint. It's a Clive Barker joint that, uh, well, I mean, we have a theme. It's going to bookend the show uh, that it's about an unstable mental patient who is lied to by his doctors. Oh. Hey, except this time the doctor's David Cronenberg. Yeah. All right. Don't let, don't give that man a medical license. My God. That means this has to be shot in Canada. I think he also let Jason go in Jason X. David Cronenberg, bad mm. doctor. Okay, bad good doctor. to know. Bad doctor. Yeah, but uh, Clive Barker got in a fight with the studio, and I don't think he got final cut, and the movie was, movie was a bit of a failure. It had some sort of cult status just because, mm-hmm. like, it's weird, and there's this mental patient. He thinks he's a serial killer, but there's a real serial killer, and then they get into this cemetery, and then these, like, monster people. Uh, but there's a director's cut now available from Scream Factory. Oh, nice. I love Scream just, Factory. Just in 2014. Finally, they put out the actual Clive Barker cut. 
That's supposed to be better. I rarely beg for a certain kind of sponsor, but I'm like, why can't we do something with Scream Factory? Everything we it talk about, perfect sense. They do. They have a cool release of, mm-hmm. and I wish I could keep track of it. I wish I was paid to keep track of it. Scream Factory. <laughs> so there. <laughs> uh, wait, no, we had, we're moving on to Revenge, uh, a Kevin Costner movie I've never heard of. How is there a Kevin Costner movie I've never heard of in mm. this period of Kevin Costner? Ooh. Dances with Wolves is not out yet. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. But we already have Field of Dreams. That's true. So we're getting yeah. there. That's true. And, yeah. and slow, wet kisses that last all day. That's a, yeah. Mm. John oh, yeah. Leguizamo, Miguel Ferrer, Madeline Stowe in something other than 12 Monkeys, Anthony Quinn and Kevin Costner in a movie just titled Revenge. <laughs> from the director of Top what? Gun. He came from a world where one wrong move could mean sudden death and found a love even more dangerous. Do you feel the way I feel? I think I fell in love. If you don't do that. Kevin Costner. Where is she? Anthony Quinn. A woman like that could do almost anything to keep her. Madeline Stowe. Revenge. Rated R. How did it go from Kevin Costner flying an F-15 Tomcat <laughs> to holding a shotgun with a lantern on the end yeah. of it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, another they one lie. I gave up on. It's another one. They lie to you. Really? They make you think, like, oh, this is going to It's like Top Gun. It, it's from the man who made Top Gun because it's Tony Scott. Right. But- no, that's just incidental. Like, he's retiring as a fighter pilot at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, things get bad because it's based on a Jim Harrison novella. So, like, he falls in with this uh, drug kingpin in Mexico. And then he falls in love with this girl. And then she's, like, tortured and hurt and is, like, forced to work in a brothel. And now he's they're hunting him and he's out for revenge. Mm. Yeah, no one really likes this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of it. It's I, Tony Scott directing another movie with planes in it. We still don't have a Top Gun sequel as we record right now. I know. I can't it's wait. coming. Talk about a good year this year. <laughs> it's the only movies. thing that says it's going to be a good year. There's a Top Gun sequel yeah. out there. No, it, this is another one that I did not get through past the first uh, 30 minutes of because it was pretty boring. Oh, you're describing mm-hmm. me in glory. Also me and Gory. Oh, okay. Oh. Sorry. But, okay. Yeah. Any, anyway, I did not realize that this novella was published in the collection that also has Legends of the Fall in it. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. And that it, it had been in de- development hell for 11 years and was originally supposed to be John Houston and Jack Nicholson making it. Holy wow. shit. Walter Hill was working on it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It just it sort of was all over the place. And every review I read said, like, man, like the book... It just crackles, and this movie is just. That's eh. called revenge. Jesus Christ, Rowenge. Ro <sighs> but then, well, I don't know. Glory. I, I think there's a local appeal to Glory. I, I'm pretty sure. I should have texted about it because it's the only research, research I could have done by text. Either my sister and mother saw this movie being filmed, mm-hmm. or they're extras in the movie. I, oh. for, I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I don't think they're extras in the movie, but like it was filmed semi-locally. Okay. So there was a call for a lot of extras to in be in Georgia? the film. In in, in in southern Georgia. Southern Georgia. A, a lot of Savannah in the movie Glory mm-hmm. uh, with a big cast. Alan North, Jimmy Kennedy, not to be confused with Jamie Kennedy, Andre Brower, Cliff Young, Morgan Freeman, Carrie Always, Denzel Washington, and Matthew Broderick in Glory. Matthew Broderick. It is my job to get these men ready for battle. Denzel Washington. Ain't nobody going to win. <laughs> Carrie Elways. Morgan Freeman. We want them to know that we died for freedom. From desperation. We 
ready, Connor. To dignity. To glory. Yeah, Di, you wouldn't know that plight, but when like when something is shot locally, it's especially historical epic. It's not just used to give younger kids context of that history, but to give young people context of how films are made. Mm. So Glory was mm. shown to me in so many classrooms, and I've seen it so many mm. times on really? cable mm-hmm, yeah. that I just never, ever feel compelled to watch it again. Yeah. It's not a bad no, movie for, for all accounts. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting for me to rewatch it because yeah, I want to know did they still show this to you uh, in like junior year of high school or like in eighth grade? I think I watched it maybe eighth grade, so like a year after this came out. Yeah, I, um, I definitely watched it in middle school. No, I didn't. This was not part of my curriculum. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, man, yeah, might be the local uh, connection. Yeah, so it was it was interesting for me to go back and look at it and see. Oh, there's a lot of stuff I liked in here, and some stuff I was like. I don't know. So uh, it's based on the true story of the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment, which was a all black regiment in the Civil War. And Matthew Broderick stars as their commanding officer who has to like recruit them and whip them into shape. And the army doesn't trust them, won't give them guns because, you know, ah, this is really just kind of for show. We don't really trust them because we're also racist dicks. (laughs) And then, you know, they, they whip together and they become like a fighting unit and they're like proud and they're fighting for freedom and stuff and then bad things happen but uh it's damn good though Mm. it's damn good uh besides the performances which i'll get to in a second i feel like it gets civil war combat better than most movies i've ever seen it's it's mentioned for that a lot it's battle sequences hmm. it's smoky and confusing Mm -hmm. and it is always up close and frantically reloading with one shot muskets and you got like a six round pistol and that's about it mm-hmm. and it's all like these bayonet charges and you don't know who the hell is who so it's like medieval combat but the smoke just tons of the smoke and then like cannonball just comes flying through takes a dude's head off and you just what this the confusion of battle it got really well huh and, well that's cool that's mm-hmm. interesting yeah the movie that launched a thousand civil war reenact <laughs> <laughs> probably maybe yeah i mean they they brought in some for for the movie yeah yeah and then i mean and it gets interesting in the like people's different attitudes of like some people would probably say oh it's a white savior narrative because it's the main character is technically matthew broderick as like the white guy who's trying to help the black people and it turns out he learns just as much from them as he taught them mm. but it doesn't get too dorky and sappy with it it's he's just trying to do soldier shit, and he would probably you get the impression he would treat white guys the same way. And I, I just can't yeah. stop laughing every time I see Matthew Broderick with a mustache. I just it's it, so silly. I yeah. think that was a big part of why so I had silly. to bail out on this one. I just don't believe him. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. This casting is baffling to me. Yeah, I, I mean, like reading up on the real guy and finding out, oh, he was like 23. So when you look at Matthew Broderick and it's like, he looks like a baby. It's like, oh, well, I guess that's realistic. But they yeah. never really make a big deal out of that. So you just feel like he shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Well, those, those people were uh, retirement age in terms of the Civil War. 23? Yeah. Better get ready. To yeah, you can put be it a away, colonel. Son. You're 23. <laughs> you can't rent a car, but you can be a colonel. Yes. Okay. And then retire and go home to your seven children. Sit in a rocking chair and <laughs> look into the woods for another 20 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, also, it's interesting that Morgan, we've had two Morgan Freeman movies in just a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. both about race and vastly different. 
And, and, and a wildly driving Miss Daisy. A wildly different Denzel Washington movie. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So here's why I want to talk about this movie. This is the movie that makes Denzel Washington a star. Yes. And two weeks ago, we had the movie It Sounds Like We Made Up. <laughs> That's a wackety schmackety ghost comedy. Mm. What is it? Heart condition, where heart where condition. Bob heart Hoskins condition. has a heart attack and his heart is replaced by Denzel Washington, who then appears to him as a ghost. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. I right. have to say, I enjoyed that movie more than this one. <laughs> <laughs> Watch well, it now. And I mean, it's it's very different. But yes. then this is the movie that makes Denzel Washington a motherfucking star, and mm. it is for one scene, and it is amazing. And he deserves it. He wins the fucking Oscar off of this. And he doesn't have to make stupid movies ever again. That's fantastic. Because I don't know if y'all... I don't know if you got that far, Sarah, the mm. scene that totally wins him the Oscar. Because it is devastating. Well, I may have to go back and give it another chance. Yeah. It does It, it does take a little bit to get going. Yeah. But once, once you get into it, then you're into it. But yeah, so uh, Denzel Washington plays a guy who was born into slavery he ran away as a kid now he's got a super defensive attitude because duh mm -hmm. and he goes a wall looking for shoes because his shoes are so fucked up he can't march his feet are all fucked up mm. and as punishment uh he is flogged which they would do back then white soldier or black soldier and when they take his shirt off and you see how many whippings he's gotten before as a slave it just kicks you in the nuts and then he just stares down matthew broderick his CO right. while they're whipping him mm -hmm. and doesn't cry out. And then he starts flinching and then he starts one tear down his face. And it's like, that man's a fucking movie star. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. It is so powerful. Yeah. I don't, I did not mean to shit on glory. It's just one of those things, man. I've, I've, I've been there so many times and it's such, it's kind of a long one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit long. And you know, like I said, it, it takes a bit to get going. That's, I mean, it's two hours solid. Mm -hmm. Uh, once yeah, you need to get uh, 30 or 40 minutes in, once you sort of you have your main group together and they're working together, it starts to move a little bit better. It, it does feel a little bit like homework sometimes. I'll be honest. Boom. But, That's exactly what it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Um, but I mean, it's it's a story that's fucking interesting. And they actually they left a lot of interesting shit out. Like, oh, Frederick Douglass's two sons were in this regiment. What? Oh, wow. That is interesting. Um. Yeah, and the idea that, oh, any black man caught in uniform would be executed or sold back into slavery, and they're given the choice to leave, and then they don't. Like, oh, my God. This is very life and death and scary. Um, but also, I'm going to call this, this is kind of our last movie of the 80s. There we go. That's right, because it was okay. a wide release in the 90s, but it came out last year. Yeah, it actually came out in December, mm -hmm. and then just quietly sat there until the wide release going into the Oscars in a week or two. Or maybe more than that, you know, getting a, a ton of attention because it's winning all these awards. Mostly, Denzel Washington's winning all these awards, so that then they start bumping up the release. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd call it worth a watch, but eh, sometimes it does feel like homework. Yeah, well, uh... yeah, a very good movie, not a great movie. <clears throat> now, technically, I want to put an asterisk because we do have one more movie from the eighties to talk about in like a month, but that's a foreign movie, and that shit doesn't count. Because if we counted every foreign movie, we would yeah. have the last movie of the 80s in, like, 1993. Yeah. There's... Because it took us forever to get any one car. Why in this country? I was looking in for this show in particular. There's one, there's one J movie from Japan that takes five years to get to the wow. shorts. Yeah. Uh, but it hits everywhere else before mm -hmm. on its way. That's long enough to yeah. look pretty different, too. <clears throat> Man. 
But just the television this week is all yeah. about me. So, no. did I say Glory again? Glory. I keep I keep forgetting to say the name of the movie again. Glory, not as cheesy as you remember, but still a little bit cheesy and good. Uh, this week in television really hits a very sweet spot for me. I'm. It's also the rare instance where I know exactly what clip I want to show you people, and it's gone. Oh. And uh, my archive for oh, SNL no. is is not there either. Uh, Saturday Night Live, we have Tom Hanks hosting for the fifth time um, with Aerosmith. And I think most people will remember that. It is it is a very famous Wayne's World clip where Aerosmith is in it and Tom Hanks plays their roadie. Right. That gets in a lot of best of packages where Tom Hanks, sibilance, sibilance, check, check, sibilance, and uh, <laughs> yelling that into a microphone. And Aerosmith would go on to appear in Wayne's World too. Mm-hmm. Um, and But what I really loved, it was the first time on television, on network television anyway, I heard a certain word, and I'm not going to be able to do this any justice. Tom Hanks runs runs out to do his monologue, hits his knee, and like I'm going to try and keep going, and then just passes out and falls into his death and talks to Abe Lincoln. And he's like, am I, why am I dead now, Abe Lincoln? And he's like, you're not dead. You're just an incredible pussy, Tom. And I've never heard the word pussy ever said on network television in my life, uh, and that you can, and you, and I know I'm sort of correct because the audience goes absolutely apeshit for just a small line yeah. that they hadn't heard it either. Um, and also on the 18th, I I think this is when I discovered. You have to imagine without an internet, like I didn't really know one of my favorite comic heroes had a television show or a series of movies. But I think this is the final. Is this the final? <laughs> and you Hulk find movie? out right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah I because they weren't. Aww. It took them like another two years to like be released on VHS, and I would eventually go rent them. But these, this is where the Stan Lee cameos even start are in these incredible Hulk TV movies. The show was good, but I think expensive, and they just decided to make a couple of TV movies based on the, uh, what is it, the, his name isn't Bruce Banner, it's something else. They thought Bruce Bill was Bixby. too gay. Bill Bixby. Oh, Bill yeah. Bixby's a Henry Banner or some shit like that, uh, with Lou Ferrigno as the uh, Hulked Out Hulk. And uh, But the Death of the Incredible Hulk TV movie premieres on the 18th, uh, this, well, 30 years ago this week. For 12 years. Put your hands behind your I battled the beast within me, and I want to destroy it and be human again. At last, my fight for freedom is over. But if he destroys the Incredible Hulk, will he also destroy David Banner? There is a chance I can rid you of this thing. And now, NBC presents a world premiere event. Please, no! The end of a superhero legend. The death of the Incredible Hulk. And no, the uh, ending is not what you want it to be. It's not the premiere of Smart Hulk, like <laughs> from Endgame. It should have been Lou Ferrigno just dropping science knowledge on you. That is hey, fun. This doesn't even add up. I don't know why I'm doing that Andre the like Giant Andre for Andre Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> uh, I don't have another impression. Uh, but yeah, super fun. Uh, incredible. And I, I, I don't know, it was, maybe it was on our Best of TV episode. Michael or Diana I was just describing why I like Mandalorian so much because it really was like, no fucking around 1970s television when he's like, yeah, it's like the Incredible Hulk. Mm. It's yep. like this guy with this power walks into a new town every week and some shit happens and he has to help fix it. Uh, that's what the Incredible Hulk was. And it still looks really good when it comes on television. Also on the 18th, this is why I wasn't watching this, a brand new episode of The Simpsons, Call of the Simpsons. It's a very strange episode. Even in modern Simpsons, they wear the same thing and The Simpsons are mostly... Bart and Homer are mostly nude. It's just <laughs> odd to see them in like different outfits the entire time. And if you played the Simpsons game, this is a basis for at least one sixth of it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> down from the bear to the outdoor setting, 
They want to go camping. They get an RV. I remember loving this episode. Burger King specifically came out with toys just based on this episode because oh, wow. Simpsons was so huge. Uh, it is the debut of Rod Flanders as Flanders shows up in his brand new RV in Homer. Like I fucking need one, and we meet one of our uh, one of the most frequent and notable uh, voice actors in The Simpsons. Uh, he's never credited by his full name, but you can tell who he is because he's the only one who a sounds like he's Mike differently, and b is clearly improving with Dan Castellaneta. Uh, Homer trying to see if he has the credit to get this RV. I'm not going to quote your price till I check your credit rating. And let me, I want to make myself clear on this. This is a formality. If you're saying to me, Bob, is this guy good for it? I say, yes, I don't check this machine, but I don't own the place, even though my name's up there. Long story, but that doesn't matter. I'm going to have to run it through the computer. Is, is that a good siren? Am I approved? You ever known a siren to be good? <laughs> no, Mr. Simpson, it's not. It's a bad siren. That's the computer in case I went blind telling me sell the vehicle to this fellow and you're out of business. That's what the siren says. Oh. Seems the ultimate behemoth is a wee bit out of your price range. I just, I love, it's, it's Albert Brooks. Mm. Ah. Always credited as just A. Brooks. No relation to James L. Brooks, but they had collaborated on several movies together. Most notably, Broadcast News. But uh, yeah, it's one of many, many Albert Brooks appearances who will be in the movie, who will be in most people's favorite episode. It's Hank Scorpio. But making his first appearance as Cowboy Bob, RV salesman. Uh, hmm. This is a weird one. And then... That is weird. I know what you were talking about, about the Burger King toys, because yeah. I have one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember it. Yeah. I have a Lisa Simpson, and she's playing a saxophone, and there's a little woodland creature sticking out of it. A little bunny, I think. It's ringing a bell, too, and I... I have it. I think the only reason I had it growing up is because my grandmother was a like collectibles collector, and mm. part of her thing mm. was... Like we raid her house. And, she did, <laughs> and like kids' toys from um, from fast food places. So I had a lot of weird stuff I did not understand as a kid, like all the California raisins. <laughs> there was so many things. Oh, I loved biting thank you them. hotties. Uh, and and then lastly, and again, I think Sarah wrote these down. Like this is, but this is all very me. Mm. We went from fucking mm. SNL Wayne's World to Incredible Hulk to The Simpsons to MST3K. Uh, woman, women of the prehistoric planet airs after uh, the season finale. I think. This was the last one sequentially filmed, but it gives us it gives us one of the bigger MST3K uh, what do you call it catchphrases ever, and I find this bizarre. It's High Kiba. Karate kick. Who are you, Donald O'Connor? High Kiba. And that's that's it in the movie. The the comedian playing. Oh God, he has this horrible story saying how he learned karate and they taught him how to chop suey and Ooh. back and forth, and then High Kiba and he does a kick and he. Rather impress- impressively flips over and lands on his back because mm-hmm. he's the comedic blobbity blook. And they're like, wow, I could watch that all day. Uh, and, and, <laughs> but then about once a movie, when anybody does a bad karate move, they will shout Haikiba for the next 30 years. In fact, you could buy yeah. merchandise that said Haikiba on it um, from the yeah. official store. Haikiba. Mm-hmm. I'm not Hi-Kiba. wrong on this. I am not wrong on this, right, Ty? You can, you can back me up on this. Haikiba is I something they continue you to say. But- it turns out it happens less than I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least according to MST3K Wiki, it's about 25 different episodes they say Haikiba. I True. feel like it's more than that because that's, what, 10%? It, it might, 12? It, it might well, be. I feel like it's the, more. The new episodes have, because the new episodes have referenced MST3K with 
with all the frequency of which the old MST3K reference other things. So it's it's all the new episodes have watch out for snakes and Haikiba in almost every episode. Well, that's really the mark of a mm. good catchphrase is that it is so deep within you that you think it's everywhere when <laughs> it's really true. when you go back and look it's not. <laughs> but it was it was sold on official shirts and usually it would be something yep. that they came up with and it seems weird you're kind of selling some Old dead guy's catchphrase as yours. Uh, but that's part of the charm of MST3K. But moving into the music, because there are no games to speak of, Opposites Attract by Paul Abdul is still number one. Hats off to MC Scat Cat. Um, we have some new releases from Oingo Boingo, uh, Dark, Dark at the End of the Tunnel. It's got to be one of their last before Danny Elfman tells his brother and friends to fuck off. I'm going to go compose <laughs> yep. Hollywood scores. Uh, Up to No Good by Peter Wolf. Spiritual Healing by Death. And Welcome uh, to the Beautiful South. By the beautiful uh, South in the U.S. What is that a real band name? Yeah, a beautiful South in the U.S. No, beautiful South, and it's released in the U.S. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just Ron Burgundy this whole thing. <laughs> uh, now yeah. it's funny you mentioned about Oingo Boingo and Danny Elfman saying they should go fuck off because mm-hmm. one of the songs on Dark at the End of the Tunnel, Try to Believe, will sound incredibly familiar to you Ooh. and anyone who's been listening to every trailer we've played from the eighties. Oh. That has music in it. Okay. Are we going to close out with them? We're closing out with that. All right. Well, this is Try to Believe, and you're probably going to hear it everywhere uh, should you continue listening to this show. Stay right there because we got to get into the 2000s, formerly the 90s. It's so hard to find an answer. It's so hard to stand alone. It's so hard to find a feeling that was very long ago. It's so hard to trust another when it's easy. Hi, it's me, Diana, and thanks for listening to 302010. I hope you're enjoying the show. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up in 2000 and also 1990, 2010. I think it's better than 2009. So did you miss a name of a movie that we were raving about on 302010? Because we've been trying to get better at saying the title more than once. But if you completely miss the name, you want to find the movies we're recommending, you can check out our new profile on Likewise, likewise.com slash 302010. Likewise is an app that helps you find movies, TV, books, podcasts, even restaurants that you might like based on things you already like. And in the case of movies, it will tell you where you can stream them right now. That's probably like the big sell for me. I like anywhere where they will tell me where I can stream things because I will open up like seven different apps trying to figure out where it is, if it's HBO or Amazon or Netflix or whatever. So having one place that says, hey, you want to see this movie? Boom. Here's where you can see it. And also, here's other movies you might like based on that. It's all based on people's recommendations on Likewise. You could even recommend 302010 for your friends and family because you're super plugged in like that and people are always looking for new podcasts. Uh, you can download Likewise as an app or use it online, just on the web. Likewise app is at the Google Play Store. It's at the Apple App Store. You can check out all of our recommendations. We got a bunch of lists, including Classic Corner, which has more than 200 movies, all of which come with my stamp of approval at likewise.com slash 302010. That's 302010. Okay, back to the show.
coming back in with Thank God I Found You, a Mariah Carey collaboration I barely remember, but featuring Joe and 98 Degrees, and Mariah Carey is clearly doing someone a favor. Uh, I don't know who you are, Joe. Maybe you're very talented, but 98 Degrees, you lucky motherfuckers. Y'all got nothing going on. The second this... <laughs> The second your skin goes bad, your love handles come out, you are done in the music business. Yeah, their, their countdown clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. But it's number one this week because it's to 2000s and no one cares anymore. And we also have uh, new releases from Black Delicious like Nia. We have Automatic Midnight by Hot Snakes. Uh, <laughs> isn't, that what, isn't that what Chris Pratt called him shitting? Like he shits out Hot Snakes. Uh Blood Flowers by The Cure, uh, Book of Thugs by Chapter AK Verse... Wait, no. Blood, Book of Thugs, Chapter AK Verse 47 by Trick Daddy. Very clever, wow. Mr. Daddy. Love it. <clears throat> self-titled by The Suicide Machines, uh, Telling Stories by Tracy Chapman, and the self-titled uh, debut of Together. Also, I think a movie out this week, if we didn't get that down. I couldn't get, I couldn't get a beat on it. Um, and this is news no. I couldn't get a beat on either, just I didn't have the time, but I saw it pop up in there. Like another, I think the seventh case of mad cow disease Ooh. since the beginning of the year is, shows up in France as it slowly creeps through Europe. That was mm-hmm. primarily a European problem. Is this the era of mad cow disease? Mm-hmm. I thought it was when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, no. Okay. Give it a couple years and uh, it's going to be a major problem in Britain. It is. Mad cow still scares me. And France, me. yeah. Yeah. I, um,. Yeah. It's still the reason why I don't eat a ton of ground beef. Like, I kind of only prefer to eat ground beef where I know where it's sourced from Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it is so scary to me. It's a prion disease, which means it just goes into your brain and then lays dormant until all of a sudden it's not anymore and there's no cure and you're fucked. Even for people. Mm -hmm. Yes, especially for people. But it's like, it's that cannibalism disease that that cows get from eating themselves. Right. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Tainted feed. Right. And so it's like. That's why I wasn't allowed to donate blood for years. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Because I ate meat while I was in Britain. So. Yeah. Yeah. The original coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. I'm trying to tie it into right now. Yeah. Um, Oh, and uh, if anyone was curious, how long did it take Chris to figure out, try to believe, is from the Midnight Run soundtrack? One fucking note. Yep. Yep. One. Come on. I love Midnight Run. That movie's so good. And that is bizarre selling. I didn't know that song had lyrics until just now. (laughs) And they're terrible. I could do without them. The the only lyrics belong to Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro, in my opinion. Take it, Jack. I told you I had money, Jack. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm giggling at quoting a movie I like. Uh, (laughs) Movies of 2000, February 14th to the 20th. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the 2000s. Holy smoke. With Kate Winslet and Harvey Keitel. I swear I saw a movie with Harvey Keitel called Smoke. This is not it, though. That's a different one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Holy that is smoke. confusing. Mm-hmm. Right, this one's Holy Smoke. The uh, sequel. This is a Jane Campion film. <laughs> okay. And it's Kate Winslet's first movie after Titanic. Mm, okay. Finally getting around to it. And it's weird. And I don't <laughs> feel like completely successful, but worth watching, kind of. Mm-hmm. Because she plays an Australian who becomes part of this, like, cult in India, and Harvey Keitel is a deprogrammer, mm-hmm. and then she starts, like, trying to seduce him and flipping the tables. So kind of like Black Snake Moan, in a way? Oh, goodness. Oh, kind of. Interesting. Sort of. Like, there's some really good stuff in it. Uh, overall, maybe not successful, but it's interesting. Hmm. Well, keep telling me what's interesting, because this week are two movies that I had... I had a We're lot of ping pong and back and forth between yeah. like 
good dude movie, shitty woman movie, shitty dude movie, good woman movie. <laughs> I, I had a lot of fights with this friends. It's a weird lineup. These, these were, there are two movies in here that were in every male DVD collection mm-hmm. for about 10 yeah, years that I true. do not care yeah. for at all, but I'm always told that I am wrong. Such is the no, case with Scott Kahn, Tom Everett Scott, Ron Rifkin, Nancy Katz, Nia Long, Ben Affleck, Vin Diesel, and Giovanna Ribisi in Boiler Room. Done. Sale is made every call you make. The only question is, who's going to close? You or him? You can be whoever you want to be on the phone. I'm 46 years old. I have 22 years of market experience. The whole place is going nuts. Well, you see, we deal in stocks that really move. I am your kid's college fund. Yes! My first account, baby. You're one of us now. This kid is really good. Okay, he's going to go down hard. Sky's the limit. Are you going to be rich, Seth? <laughs> I hope so. How come? <laughs> I think this movie's morally irresponsible. I'm taking the Wolf of Wall Street treatment to Boiler Room. I just found it boring at the time. I did not know I was being morally superior. Um, <laughs> didn't ne- Never liked this film, and almost every male in my life did. Well, Love this is a movie about shitheads. <laughs> so, yeah, did they like it for the wrong reasons? Do you probably. think? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I don't know. I, no, because none of those people grew up to do anything like that. No, but they probably still thought it was really cool. Why yeah. else would you like this movie? I don't know. I, I maybe I wasn't into movies like that because I loved Goodfellas, uh, yeah. but this is a different kind of mafia, the stock market. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, ugh, there's so many movies that this reminds me of. Like, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, Glengarry Glen Ross, Wall Street. Which are yeah. two out of three of those are actually referenced and scenes are actually played mm-hmm. in the movie Boiler yeah. Room. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yes. No. Yeah, there's a whole scene where they're crowded around the TV watching Wall Street and then quoting it verbatim, like doing movie karaoke, basically. And quoting it for the wrong reason. Wonderful, Boiler Room, wonderful. Yeah. Raising a mm. small generation of shitheads. Yeah, you probably, you're, you have a stockbroker. He probably loves this movie. Yeah. I think the just like Wall Street, it was one of those things where people are like, "Cool, I want to be yeah. a stockbroker and ruin America," and I then they I'd did. Say, this is I put it in that rounders category where I had dude friends who swore by it. I'm like, "What did you get out of this that I didn't?" I yeah. thought it was boring as fuck. Ugh. Mm. And it is. I guess it all really is high stakes gambling <laughs> at, the, it, at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, no, if you if you have uh, rich frat bros who want to make a bunch of money, they probably love this movie. And if you know any communists, they probably love this movie, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> because, I mean, oh, these people are so terrible. It's so unsettled, too. I mean, yeah, you. the point is that it is like high-stakes gambling. Well, guess what? The main character runs a casino out of his house, and then you go straight from that into basically running a casino – for at a Wall Street, yeah, off of not even on Wall Street, and mm. like a shitty little Boiler office building, room. full but of rounders. I do have to say, <laughs> I love Vin Diesel, and it turns out they're being immoral with their products. <laughs> Imagine that. What? Uh, I, this is sort of a breakthrough for Vin Diesel. Like, I, li- a, I really a very like small him role. in this, actually. A very small role, like after mm-hmm. Iron Giant, like mm-hmm. the dude had a slow trickle. Because uh, he's not one of the main characters in this movie. Actually, no, that, I'm thinking of Ben Affleck, who's barely in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's he's built very. He was he was promised to someone who wanted to see Ben Affleck like me very very promisingly in the trailer, so mm-hmm. he's barely there. Yeah. He gives the he gives the Alec Baldwin speech in Glengarry Glen Ross and pretty much leaves the rest pretty of the time. Pretty much, yeah. And he and comes in every now and then to give a pep talk. Fuck Boiler Room. Uh, hanging up. It's got to be better, right, ladies? Um, no. You know, you know what makes a Meg Ryan, Diane Keaton, and Lisa Kudrow movie better? Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. Ladies, 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 calm down. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can imagine him saying. There's Adam a lot Mark of that. Cl- He's pretty great. And Cloris Leachman, this movie has to be good. 
Sisterhood. I gotta go. <gasps> it's the call no one can avoid. Your father is missing. Check in the bed of every single female patient. Could you, Reggie? <laughs> the force no one can deny. Mommy has to leave you with Aunt Eve. <laughs> it's the comedy. Dad? No one will be able to resist. <laughs> Hanging up. <laughs> Rated PG-13. All right. Who do they catch Walter Matthau on bed in? Why is this a big deal? Isn't I mean, it the secretary from Ferris Bueller? Yeah. Uh, okay. <gasps> oh. Okay. I think it might be. Uh, it's not Edie Brickell. What's her name? Edie something. Edie uh, McClurg. Edie, Edie McClurg. McClurg. That's the one. <laughs> it might be. It may be not, though. Maybe just an Edie McClurg look like. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh. This movie <laughs> is not particularly good. It's another one this of those. This movie is not good at all. And it makes me sad because I love the cast so much. Me too. And I have to say, I am very into 90s Meg Ryan aesthetic. Her <laughs> whole deal, I'm into. <laughs> yeah, really, really heavy hair gel that makes your hair hang Just like forever magnetic north. A heavy hair. <laughs> yeah, heavy hair. And a baggy pant with a like tight tank top. Mm-hmm. It's a good look. Yeah, with a black tank top. Yeah. Just well, seeing, seeing three chicks in black all dressed in black i'm like this looks like a photoshop version of first wives club yeah yeah, it does it does (laughs) i do have to say that i appreciate that it was trying well i don't even know if it was trying to do this but i did really feel it in that there's a lot about the emotional labor that women do in families Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um a lot of times in families where there are male siblings and female siblings, female siblings usually are the ones that have to do all the emotional labor of caring for the parents as they're getting older. And even parents who maybe weren't really good at being parents, you still have to take care of them, look after them. And that kind of usually gets dumped on the women. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, Meg Ryan is the one that has to do all this emotional labor to take care of her elderly father whose health is failing. And it, there's a lot of stuff going on with him. And then she's also taking care of everyone else. And hmm. it's stressful to watch and to see everyone kind of take advantage of her like that. And, you know, if you've ever been in a situation where you have a elderly parent or a grandparent that you have to take care of and everyone just expects you to do it, it is very, very frustrating and you feel like snapping a lot. Mm. And so it's a, I think it's an interesting look at emotional labor that women do. I don't know that how effective it is, but... In yeah, the... it sounds like there's a way better movie in yes, here. I think so. Um, which is where it's directed by Diane Keaton, who has made a couple movies that have been okay. And I found, oh, it's uh, Walter Matthau's last film. That's is it really? Bummer. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. But uh, I I have not, I did not go back to rewatch it, but do they ever explain how Lisa Kudrow and Meg Ryan are also sisters with Diane Keaton, who is 15 years older than them? No. That's not really explored as a storyline. I think we got a secret sister mama. There. Mm, I, like I just fan theory for a movie I barely remember, but okay. I remember yeah. not liking it all. If I yeah. know Chinatown, you can only find out by slapping somebody. There's definitely ah. some weird, interesting set pieces in here. Mm-hmm. Like the old house mm-hmm. that they all grew up in is very interesting to look at and uh, plays part in the storyline that I find very very strange because the dad keeps going back there even though they haven't lived there in a while mm. and I don't know. Oh, that's odd. There's some interesting parts of this movie for sure. I wouldn't say it's totally a bad one. Plus, I just hmm. love seeing these women on my screen. But uh, I... Yeah. You know what? There are three movies like what I discussed. One that all the guy friends I knew liked. And I'll give it the, the least of that to the next movie. I just need... To, I feel like I need to... I haven't had someone sit me down and made me fully appreciate why this is great. Mm. <clears throat> 
Keith David, who is the best person ever. Fuck yeah. Cole Hauser. Uh, Rada Mitchell. Nothing to say. But Vin Diesel once again in Pitch Black. You're not afraid of the dark, are you? On this planet, when night falls, terror comes out to hunt. Only light can keep it away. We stay together and keep the light burning. But the light is running out. A total eclipse. Critics are calling Pitch Black the scariest sci-fi thriller in years. Get down! <laughs> Pitch Black. I would love to see this again. Mm-hmm. And it, this is the Jesus. Where does this fall with watch? Where this is the last chronological Riddick movie? I think so. <laughs> I have never bothered to watch any of the Riddick sequel, prequel, intercals, whatever the fuck they are. I've just it? stayed away from Chronicles of Riddick or just Riddick or there are any other ones or video games or whatever. Just because I like this movie yeah. and I, it's nice and self-contained. I don't really need any more. Because Vin Diesel's the bad fella in this movie. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. the bad guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an, he's an anti-hero. Yeah. He starts out as a bad guy, and then Escape they kind of have to... They, they all have to work together because they're on a spaceship. It crashes on this planet, and there's these hideous monsters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but Riddick is... He's a prisoner who he can kind of... He can see in the dark. Sure. And these monsters come out in the dark, and so it's pretty useful to have him around. Yes. God, I wish I could say more, but I've only seen uh, this once. But I, I know people swear by it. I wish I had watched it instead of the next yeah. movie we're going to talk about. Oh, God, I fucking hate <laughs> yeah. that movie so much. Yeah. But no, I feel like Riddick, or yeah, Pitch Black, it's like a, it's a really well-made B-thriller mm-hmm. in that, like, we we have sort of the, uh, I don't know, Night of the Living Dead thing going on. We have, like, the ragtag group of people that are forced together. And they're bickering amongst themselves, but the outside force that's so malevolent is coming to get them. So they have to work together and secrets come out and fighting. And it's just just fun. It's just mm-hmm. just really well done. And I don't know why they made these like fucking crazy sequels that start to turn it into some sort of space opera Prequels. or whatever. Sequels. Just a, just a solid, I don't know, it's just a decent monster movie with some flair to it i i think it was i think it was one of those movies vin diesel made before he had any power and it yeah. became very good and then like the fellow who made it and I'm, I'm pretty sure the riddick movies are prequels to this so they're not uh probably. and and so there's taking the one interesting thing you can mind out of mine out of this to make other movies out of and i think you don't even you don't even need to know these are related to the riddick movies mm. ultimately mm. uh but whatever it's part of the Riddick trilogy. Very confusing. Um, yeah. also, no, watch. Yeah, Pitch Black is just, uh, I mean, if you're into that sort of, yeah, like B horror science fiction action movie, you've probably already seen this. But if you haven't for some reason, or maybe you saw one Chronicles of Riddick and were like, oh, God, no. No, nah, it's a solid <laughs> movie, man. I, I quite enjoy Pitch Black. And and, it's and the, also they filmed it in one of the places I really want to go, mm-hmm. which is like the weirdest place to go ever. I really want to go to Cooper Pedy. Cooper Pedy, yes, where you where it's impossible that's, to survive yeah. above the land where the malls are yeah. underground in Australia. Yeah, the Australian oh, city wow. that's just mm-hmm. built underground. Yeah, huh? It's yeah, yeah. it's too hot to live. Like <laughs> like uh, yeah. yeah, it's like you, there's all these reminders like get gas because you run out, you're kind of just an egg in a frying pan. Like, <laughs> that's it for you. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this movie is one of those things that makes me feel like the world is crazy. What is wrong with everyone? But also, <laughs> I think speaks to, I think Michael Clark Duncan was kind of a, like, mm-hmm. th- this either was star making or like he had that many people wanting to see the next movie he was in after Green Mile. Uh, but mm-hmm. Matthew Perry and Bruce Willis. 
I think they're at the height yep. of their powers. Yes. And you get this. Yep. I don't remember what this is about. I've seen it twice. I've hated it each time. Ugh. I only remember Amanda Pete being naked. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and the whole nine yards, number one at the box office. That's Jimmy the Tulip Tedeschi. Jimmy the Tulip was a hitman. Sixteen. Sophie, the man's killed 17 people. Let's go for a drive. A drive? Look, Jimmy, I certainly don't want to die. Better get used to it because you're going to. What? Everybody dies. Sooner or later. Jimmy Tedeschi's new friends are hitting on him. I'm one of your biggest fans. I've been following your career since I was a kid. She has definite potential. What? I've been wanting to meet you for years. But one of them is hitting a little too close to home. What got into him? This is Cynthia. Yimmy's vibe. Us. What is going on? Why was this? This was I number know. one for so long. It's so weird. Yeah, I got a couple of weeks. It, I, yeah, I feel like this so- word of this was everywhere. Like this, 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 like weird, like my blue heaven sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a odd surprise hit. It does mm-hmm. pretty well. It ends up getting a sequel. Yeah, it's going to be number one for a couple of weeks. So I watched it uh, because you know I believe in taking bullets for people, and mm-hmm. it is so close to being a good movie. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, I got to say, I think it's the whole ten yards, which is just like. An abomination mm. that like shits mm. on whatever the legacy of the first one is. It is so bad. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, just the basic idea is cute. Like it starts out, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like my blue heaven, you know, a, a mobster um, who's like in witness protection moves into the suburban neighborhood. But no, it turns out, oh, he's not under witness protection. He's just hiding out. And then really when it starts to get into gear is when Matthew Perry's sleazy wife, Rosanna Arquette, realizes, oh, we could either turn him in for the money or I could hire him to kill my husband I don't like or maybe both. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, now we're getting into some blood simple territory where it's like this could be Cohen-esque yeah. and yes. then fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good point. Wow. I, I wanted some more double crossing and some more plotting and then it could be pretty fucking funny. Yeah. But instead, it's just sort of like, we spend so much time with Matthew Perry, like stuttering and falling over. And granted, he does do some pretty good physical comedy in this. I'll give I was, him some credit. I was going to say, I've always thought Matthew Perry's pretty, pretty good at physical comedy. He's yeah. On friends. He does a lot of it and yeah. it's, it's great. Like he's very gifted with that. I, I feel so bad for Matthew Perry. I mean, he's, <laughs> I feel like he really could have been a much bigger star and could have really kind of, just had a much better go of it but Mm. you know i think he's had such horrible addiction issues and i don't Mm. think he's doing so well right now from what i read in the gossip rags oh he just looks bad um but i wish that he had i wish he had more of a movie career and i wish that he Mm. had kind of gone the route of you know doing some goofy movies really doing his physical comedy and then maybe getting into something a little bit more serious and Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like there's some wasted potential there. I feel like this movie, too, is painful to watch because nobody really seems like they're having a good time mm-hmm. acting in this movie, except for Amanda Peet, who I yeah. love. Mm-hmm. And she yeah, is... she is... The, the, just as I was starting to be like, oh, God, this movie's still going. Then yeah. Amanda Peet becomes more of a character. And mm-hmm. yeah, the idea that she's a hitman groupie who, mm-hmm. who wants to become a hitman understudy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. She's so... 
She like yeah, every scene she comes she's like a moment of levity and like light in every scene. She's so good. She's so funny. Like I, I've always been a big fan of hers. I wish I also wish she was in more stuff. She's also like so gorgeous. And watch Brack Topless. <laughs> yeah. Like yep. okay. This is I always think this is the movie you get topless for. Okay, all right. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, well some people can do it, and she's one of those people. <laughs> yeah. I guess I mean if I'm gonna say let me say another nice thing about this because it's a dumb thing that stood out. I appreciate this movie takes place in Canada. Okay. They film in Canada and they're not passing it off as Chicago or Houston <laughs> or New York. It's like, no, this takes place in fucking Quebec and it just does and deal with it. There is so there's a lot of Canada jokes in it, including yeah. about mayonnaise. <laughs> On things on awesome. on hamburgers, which um, I'm sorry, but I enjoy mayonnaise on my hamburger. Me too, not alone. Why? I mean, just as a moisturizer, but it yeah. doesn't. No, you don't in combination much. with the other condiments, spread very thin with ketchup and mustard. You yes. have to have a threesome yeah. with all of the other condiments. Indeed, indeed. Let me write that down for my next threesome. Yeah, you can't just put a ton of mayonnaise on stuff, but other people do. Oh, so well, gross. if you have good mayonnaise. Yeah, you can dip. Like an aioli. Yes, you can dip a french fry in there and it's delicious. <laughs> no. I'm not, a, not a mayo person. So, yeah, I mean, the whole nine yards is like, my whole attitude was like, eh, huh? Eh, yeah. Eh, eh. I, I think just, just one of the... Like, oh, we're so close to being something so, like, out, out of the box. We could have been, like, I don't know, like a super twisty film noir that's also a comedy. And instead, it's just a not very good comedy with some weird plot elements. Clearly, I'm at my snottiest as a, as a film goer. Mm-hmm. But I still find this winning the world over being very bizarre. But I think this was yeah. during that Bruce Willis can do no wrong phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, we get a really bad sequel. But moving on to television of Val- Valentine's Ish Day uh, through the 20th. Oh, man. <laughs> this thing. Uh, the who who wants... <laughs> Go ahead, Diana. It's the Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire debacle. Mm-hmm. Airing oh, on Fox. Christ. Really, I think the nadir of our reality television. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, we haven't really been introduced to that many new reality shows since this period. Mm. They did kind of stop. Mm. Like, everything, they didn't get more experimental or grotesque as this. Right. Like, yes. Well, no, no. What was it? The Swan? The Swan. Oh, yes. But, like, like, go get plastic surgery for television. The the big hits are still The Survivor and and The Bachelor, like, Mm -hmm. things that have existed for over 20 years. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This was uh, wild. Fox basically put out this guy, Rick Rockwell, as Mm a multimillionaire. um, Always feels like somebody's watching him. They they, uh, had a bunch of women vying to be his wife, Mm -hmm. and they the women could not see him, but there were he could see them, and there was like a bathing suit competition and a question and answer situation, Mm -hmm. and. He chose one, a lady named Darva Conger, and wow. they got married, actually got married at the end of the episode. And then everything went to shit after that. Yeah, because I'm forgetting. You got to fill me in on everything Then they that realized, shortly thereafter, people start actually looking into this guy and realize, mm, he's probably not a multimillionaire. He's maybe a millionaire <laughs> at best. He's a very sketchy occupational history. I think. Well, this- he was a stand-up. Yeah. So he's obviously sketchy. Yeah. And then a motivational speaker, which is even sketchier. Ooh. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so he and Darva go on their honeymoon to the Bahamas and then get back and get it annulled. She says that it wasn't even consummated. And then it came came out that he actually had had a restraining order against him from a previous relationship where he oh. had was stalking a woman that he had previously been involved with. So after that, it was... <sighs> Yeah. Someone wouldn't even have that guy play a husband in a sitcom nowadays, and here they're auctioning off real women to marry him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, uh, man, you thought we lived in a dystopian now? Yeah, uh, but yeah. but Jesus, where's the Defense mm-hmm. of Marriage Act here? Oh. This I, is really yeah. what that. <laughs> I, I totally, I, I remember there was a scandal involved with this, but I had forgotten what it was. So yeah. thank you for bringing that back up. I looked it up, but mm-hmm. can I, I remember it very? Vividly. Can I bring up the good thing? Who wants to marry a millionaire? Gave us sure. Uh, an unforgettable Conan O'Brien character from this just seemingly one-off sketch. Thank you very much, and welcome back to Who Wants to Marry the Masturbating Bear? <laughs> so the, this is where the masturbating literally comes from. It's No way! Yes, it's from Who Wants to Marry the Masturbating Bear. Wow. And I, I think so, but, but, I, but and it's really funny, so this is also on YouTube, the next week, this the debacle of who wants to marry a multimillionaire blows up in Fox's face, mm-hmm. and then so Conan also does a documentary on like what went wrong with the masturbating uh. bear, <laughs> and like it's a, it's a, like a fifteen minute document fake documentary about what's happening similar to the Fox series. That's fine. Masturbating bear, a bear with a giant diaper who, because of network censors, can only come out and furiously bat at his testicles to circus music. It still makes me laugh very, very much. Mm-hmm. We still have our Conan special on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. <laughs> Sometimes oh, I just no. laugh when I think about FedEx Pope. <laughs> <laughs> FedEx Pope? FedEx Pope rules. Oh. <sighs> oh, now looking at it, I realize, oh, for 2010, we missed the anniversary of the last appearance of masturbating bear. Oh. In 2010 because Conan O'Brien couldn't take him with to the the um cuz he was intellectual property so uh Carrie Fisher freed him and they sailed away on a boat together. I don't know how that shook out cuz I just saw <laughs> Triumph on Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. I'm like how did how did this happen? <laughs> I love referring yeah. to the masturbating bear as intellectual property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and it. then when Conan went on tour, he was the self-pleasuring panda. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of late night, David Letterman returns to the air following a fucking quintuple bypass. Ooh, like, I remember that. The man is still with us and did not look that unhealthy. I couldn't find a clip of that. It's Sort of beautiful, if you know the history oh, of Letterman. Yeah. He brought out his nurses and doctors yeah, that's right. on the episode, as well as guests Robin Williams and the Foo Fighters, because I believe uh, uh, Foo Fighters Learn to Fly is the first thing he heard when he came back. Oh, and wow. um, it just and so when David Letterman had his last show, the Foo Fighters Learn to Fly, fly place, because that's the first thing that brought him back to the mortal realm mm. after being knocked out to have massive heart surgery. It just it feels odd that. Someone like Letterman's favorite band is now the Foo Fighters, but mm-hmm. that is why, because it's synonymous with recovering from heart surgery. Um, and but on that, also on that same day to combat that, uh, Howard Stern for some reason appears on Jay Leno despite talking nothing but shit about him, and <laughs> just opens. I couldn't. I did find a clip of that. This is very exciting. I got to tell you, Jay, I love being here, as you know. Yes, I, I know. Picked that. the right night to be on. Everyone's tuning over to see if there's a corpse on another network, but we see that he's all right. <laughs> So he immediately references his friend Letterman. Oh, man. 
fun. Um, I mean, I do love when people shit on Jay Leno. So. Yes, it's fun to shit on <laughs> Jay so Leno. Fun. Uh, please listen to that Conan episode from a year ago on Laser Time because it's almost entirely that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's almost entirely shitting on Leno. Uh, and also on the 17th uh, in 2000, Frasier. Frasier airs There's Something About Dr. Mary. Yes. This is a storyline I remember very vividly. And it, I think it ended up being one of those situations where the guest star, Kim Coles, she plays a replacement for Roz as the producer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she keeps interrupting Frasier with her like homespun advice and and starts to really get on his nerves. Um, but she's black. And so Frasier... Has feels like he can't ask her to stop doing that because yeah, then probably he'll be reprimand. <laughs> he'll be perceived as racist, and I she can I think she shows up for a couple episodes because she's such a fun character as a foil mm-hmm. to Frasier because she's giving people good advice and but it's all homespun and it's like really also reflects I think the nineties um, we had kind of a slate of. People giving advice who were not in any way qualified to. (laughs) And it kind of reflects that sort of angst that we were going through there of like, well, okay, I guess I'll just listen to this person (laughs) telling me what to do with my life because they have a (laughs) sassy saying. (laughs) But uh, I just pulled a really funny scene where Frasier is trying to figure out with his family how he can ask her to maybe not talk so much. And so he does a little role playing with Niles. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, perhaps a little diplomacy is in order. Oh, are you saying I should just choose my words more carefully? Is that it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, fine, fine. All right, Niles. Just exactly how would that go? Why don't you play me and I'll be Mary? All right, uh, Mary. Frazier. <laughs> I've been meaning to speak to you. Uh, you know, people listen to the show for my expertise. Oh, so my opinion is not worth anything? Well, I'm the one with the medical degree. Uh, now, I want you to contribute, but only up to a point. So you want me to stay in my place? Matter. <laughs> She's not going to say mass. What, am I getting too uppity for you? You sherry-swilling, opera-loving, Armani-wearing elitist. You have no idea how difficult it is for a black woman in a white man's world. Frazier. I don't think so. <laughs> That's borderline, but still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. still pretty good. It's, uh, it's so absurd. And then that's what makes it... Good. And the best part, too, is you can't hear this in the clip, but Martin is sitting in his recliner and Frazier's behind him, and you can just see him getting more and more uncomfortable. He's like, this he's like, this is not what good. Is what is happening? Did my son here? just say Massa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I do not enjoy Kelsey Grammer as a person, but Frazier is special. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> he, he really did that. Uh, right. SNL could have been special. I just, I just, all I remember from this, I know Ben Affleck did a Boston sketch with, um, with right? Jimmy Fallon and uh, Rachel Trash. The Boston people with Fiona Apple this week on SNL, but more importantly, The Sopranos, The Happy Wanderer. Mm. (laughs) Oh, a great episode featuring Frank Sinatra Jr., (laughs) the real one. (laughs) Yeah. And also The Terminator. Uh, The T-1000. The T-1000. And he is such a great arc in terms of... Uh, well, it, having his life destroyed, yes. And how well how Tony destroys lives, but destroying lives don't mean anything to Tony. Mm-hmm. But when that bleeds over into Meadows' life, and he like he even has to ask her like, "Why did you do that? Were you like rubbing my face in it?" He gives his daughter the car he repossesses, repossesses, right? <laughs> as if he did it legally from degenerate gambler 
Robert Patrick. Mm-hmm. I think that's in the next episode. But it's him bleeding this guy out. But this guy happens to be the father of one of Meadow's best friends. Yeah. And so it bleeds into her life. And like he start the, the son starts hating Meadow, and, and eventually Meadow has to confront him. Like, what did you think? Like, I wouldn't hear about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you do that? He's like, I don't know. Maybe I did want to rub your face in a little well, bit. Well, and Tony's answer was like, where do you think all of this comes from? Where yeah. do you think this house comes from and your clothes and your food? And it's like, it's something that Meadow and A season Carm, ago, he's denying there there's a mafia and now telling him like, yeah, who put, this is how food gets put on the table. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's something that Meadow and Carm have to grapple with all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the episode opens with all the parents at the high school kind of at a informational seminar for brown university because everyone's getting ready to go to college Mm -hmm. and who's how's everyone going to pay for this and it's especially affecting because robert patrick's character owns a um sporting goods store sporting goods store Mm -hmm. in the town which ostensibly he should be fine it looks like he's making pretty good money but he's a degenerate gambler and gets begs to get put into this super high stakes game that Tony's now <laughs> running that he took over for Uncle June, which includes Frank Sinatra Jr. playing mm-hmm. himself, which is like pretty cool. So strange. Yeah, really weird, but pretty I cool. I feel like his dad would have been so pissed at him for being in this episode as himself. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, kid? Yeah. <laughs> this is all supposed to be a secret. You're exposing us. Mm-hmm. Capital U. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smack. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and so he gets in super deep. And so Tony, he decides to give Tony his kid's car. Mm-hmm. The kid who, by the way, is played by the kid from Nip Tuck. Okay. Yeah. Take your huh. word for it. Your, anyone knows who that kid is. Cause I saw it. I was like, Hey, that guy. Um, and then gives it to Meadow. And mm-hmm. he's like, I love the scene where he's like, you know, has Meadow close her eyes and he's like, open your eyes. It's a car. She goes, I knew it was a car. And then she's like, wait a minute, is this Jim's car or whatever, like, her friend's name is? Like, she could tell. It has a sticker on it. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's his car. I don't know. You gave me my friend's car. Where did you get this? What the fuck are you doing? Why do you – and then, you know – Can we still carpool when I'm in his car? Tony's not even pretending at this point with Meadow. Yeah. And how could you? You know? may never had a car on the show. I don't know. I don't know that she did. (laughs) Well, and then, you know, at the end, so a big part of it is based around Meadow has some concert at the end of the school year and she wants to have a a solo Mm -hmm. and she doesn't get it. And then at the end, the kid is so mad he won't perform. And so she ends up getting her solo. So like everyone Mm -hmm. benefits from this Mm -hmm. and yet (sighs) is still so mad about it. And I kind of see Tony's Tony's talking to Melfi about, like, why do I still feel like the biggest piece of shit in the world? Why is everyone shitting on me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do my business, you know? It's very mm-hmm. interesting. It's a very frustrating episode for a lot I of people. I did like him confronting, like, I probably did this on purpose, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. why I would have done that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's, it's strange when you grow up and, like, did I do that on purpose? Mm-hmm. Was I a dick on purpose? Mm-hmm. It's very strange because you always want to be a good dude, but sometimes it happens. But, uh... Fucking love that episode. I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, watch it just for Silvio being the worst gambler of oh all time. God. Stay the fuck away from him. He's a mean fucking gambler. And then <laughs> he says that, but then speaking. Why are you wiping up all the gabagool next to my feet when I'm like, fuck uh, this kid? Fuck. I mean, just and that goes into what you were saying before because Tony t- knows that Silvio is such a mean gambler when he's losing and then tells one of his little minions like, hey, 
go sweep up that cheese next to his foot, knowing <laughs> that kid is going to get his ass reamed by Silvio, just like chewing him out. It's a real fun scene. Yeah, one of the a little bit the, of levity and like a pretty depressing. One of the episode. nicer guys in the mm-hmm. Tony Soprano game, Silvio, until this episode. <laughs> yeah, he gets grouchy. But don't worry, no strippers get beat to death. That's next season. Um, bring it back down with the CBS Sunday movie, Flowers for Algernon. Is this the incest one? That's Flowers no. in the Attic, my yeah. bad. Uh, yeah. This is who? Matthew Modine? What's yes, it's the uh, short story. I don't know the story. Oh, Flowers for Algernon? Mm-mm. It's about a developmentally no. delayed uh, person who scientists developed this drug that makes him to be no longer intellectually disabled. Like and then... Ideas? He's like reading and living like a, you know, normal life. And then the drug starts to wear off and he has to and he can feel it wearing off and he knows it's happening. And the short story is like one that I think a lot of people had to read growing up in school. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I did or uh, I did. I it's I it's a it. name I recognize, yeah. but I I have not read it. No. Yeah. And yeah. the movie Charlie from right. 68. Charlie. Yeah. It's been made, I think, into a movie several it times. It seems like a prequel to Limitless. But Low I, level Limitless. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember watching the CBS Sunday movie because at that time I had read the, the short story. Mm-hmm. And so, was, and I think a lot of people were exposed to it this way. Uh, Starring so, yeah, two of the Jiminy little... Glick kids, Matthew and Modine. Flowers <laughs> um, <laughs> for Algernon. Saturday. Charlie had the mind of a child. So I just want to be a genius. Until a medical miracle made his dream come true and showed him the joy of love. No! Oh. Even if it might not last. It's like a motor in my head that's starting to run down. Matthew Modine and Kelly Williams. Not the man that lives about those people. Flowers for Algernon. CBS Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. It's so silly. It's also one of those performances that Robert Downey Jr. Blackface told everyone they should not mm-hmm. give. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh it's boy! It's a rough one. Oh boy! Well, how about um, how about we get the hell out of here? And, and that should say on TV too uh, as MTV's Together, which I know only person I can remember in the show was uh, Chris Farley's brother. Oh my God, what's his name? Something Farley. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. right let's on. let's say Rob Far Dan Dan Farley. How about that? But he's the <laughs> chunky member of this boy band that eventually got a television show on MTV called Together with no to just number two. Um, we'll close that with their, their immortal classic, "You Plus Me Equals Us." Parentheses calculus. <laughs> I saw that title. I was like, I need to listen to this. I need to share it with the world. I need to go watch <laughs> Mr. Show and watch three times one plus minus one again mm-hmm. because yeah. So I listened to the song and it's like, oh no, they they keep going with this metaphor and I love it. <laughs> I love these kinds of boy band songs. Not just like the earnest talking in the middle of it, but when they just stretch a metaphor well past the breaking point. Love it. All right. Well, let's close out with that. But stay with us, people, because we got to get into 2010 when we get back. When it comes to cold signs, I know a thing or two. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. But I, I did want to talk about my recent Disney trip, because it was like, it's the most time I've spent in those parks alone. Mm. 
I'm always curious about that. I've always wanted to have the experience of doing a park by myself. I had a just great to time. See what it was like. I think it's I would so enjoy good. it. I it, I go to movies by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. I go out to you're by in, myself you're all the, the time. I love it. Mm-hmm. So if you can do the movies by yourself, oh, because yeah. that's the thing. There is like a social stigma attached to it, and once oh no, once people, you're over I, I that, feel like people were looking at me weird, and then what I didn't know is like they built this new Skyway mm-hmm. um, where you can. Get to from one park to another. It looks awesome with no tram and no boat, and no car. Like yeah. uh, on a gondola, yeah. on a giant. That's the one we were talking about was stuck for four hours last time. Last time we all recorded together, actually. Oh, oh it, yeah. it got stuck over the fucking interstate, and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> like if I have to like piss or throw up, I just get to do it all over all these vehicles. This is hilarious. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of february 14th through the 20th wow there is not a lot romantic going on some stagecoach looking movies and objective burma in 1945 um yeah well it's honestly this is an easy call this week because we just lost kirk douglas who's 103 so I'm going to talk about Kirk Douglas for a couple minutes. Um, start with right after he died, I saw a rumor online saying that he sexually assaulted Natalie Wood at some point. Uh, I back checked on some of that, and that looks really not very well sourced at all. Uh, I'm not a kind of person who has a problem with like talking about the terrible things a person did like the day they died. I just that's fine. I I if someone does a terrible thing. It should be in the headline when they die. I'm cool with that. But turns out this one maybe did not happen. Uh, Natalie Wood was, in fact, uh, assaulted uh, by a producer, she said, but I don't think she ever specified who it was. So now that that's out of the way, let's talk about Kirk Douglas. One tough Jew. He was born Isidore Dembski and kind of worked his way up in movies. Like he starts out in sort of these smaller parts where he's just sort of the heavy for three scenes or something and becomes you know one of the biggest stars of classic hollywood so here's some recommendations out of the past one of the best film noirs ever he's the bad guy in it he's not in it that much but he makes an impression ace in the hole probably one of the darkest movies i have ever seen where he he does what kirk douglas did really well which is play someone who's a barely redeemable asshole he is such a dick, just such an opportunistic dick in Ace in the Hole and Bad in the Beautiful, which I did not see mentioned as much when people were talking about great Kirk Douglas movies. Um, also, Paths of Glory, which Chris will tell you is, he says it's the best World War One movie ever made. I, I say it's number two, but it is by far one of the best World War One movies ever made. And he is really fucking good in it. And yeah, if you've never seen Spartacus, go watch Spartacus. I mean, you can break it up. It's got an intermission. So you can do it over two nights. But uh, it moves fast. It's got a lot of action. It's got a nice love story, even. It's inspiring, and it helped break the blacklist in Hollywood. So those are my recommendations. Go go watch a Kirk Douglas movie. Just come on. That's it for this week. Stay classic. Ooh, baby, I be stuck to you like glue. Baby, 
wanna spend it all on you, baby. My room is the G spot. Call me Mr. Flintstone. I can make your bed rock. Coming in with uh, Young Money featuring Lloyd. You know, Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> it's on the charts this week with Bedrock. Uh, and I also feel false advertisement. Diana's going to celebrate Kirk Douglas and not mention Ned Land from 20,000 Leagues on the Sea. Just throwing that in there, Die. Everything else was <sighs> worthwhile. I swear by my tattoo. <laughs> it's, really, it's just as good as... Uh, as Ace in the Hole. I'm just kidding. Ace in the Hole is wonderful. Well, I mean, I, there's only so many movies I can list. There's, I, I left a bunch. I left off Letter to Three Wives I like. I left off Gunfight the OK Corral. Oh, see, Come you're on. not constrained by a, a music bed here, Diana. Go nuts. Let's recommend all Kirk <laughs> Douglas stuff. Kirk Douglas is basically the facial and voice basis, basis of like 50% of everything on Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> <laughs> really is. I'm going to fill you up with Ed. That's all a Kirk Douglas impression, and most of the faces of old guys look like Kirk Douglas and Ren and Stimpy. Uh, yep. not, that, uh, not that John K. is someone to look up to. But uh, New releases, 2010, February 14th through the 20th, including Precious Valentine's Day. Uh, the Family Jewels by uh, Marina and the Diamonds. Peace and Love by Juliana Hatfield, on which she plays every single instrument. Wow. And uh, The Constant by Story of the Year, TikTok by Kesha, still number one. I remember, yeah, oh, no, no, I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah, Juliana Hatfield, branching away from her three or two. Wasn't that the name of her band, the Juliana Hatfield three back in the day? Sorry. Hmm. Look, I'm older than everyone. Don't don't worry. No one's going to correct me. They're just going to be like, what? Uh, a little bit of news for 2010. Uh, on the 15th, Epic Beardman defeats other old guy on bus uh, who says he needs uh, amber lamps. What? What? Oh, you, you didn't get besieged by Epic Beard Man for like that whole week? I think I did, if this is what I think yeah. it is. Does he have so dumb Epic little shorts and a fanny pack? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. an old guy. I think he's wearing a shirt that says, I am a motherfucker. Um, and it turns out like the people followed up with him later. And yeah, he's this old dude in Oakland who uh, seems to be mentally ill, has had some you know back and forth with homelessness and stuff. And he gets into it with this guy on a bus that some people think like, oh, he kicked that teenager's ass. But the other guy's also like 60. Yeah. It's just black don't crack. And they get <laughs> Except in this, for this time where he's bloody fight. as fuck. Right. He cracks quite a bit because mm-hmm. he gets repeatedly punched in the mouth and asks for uh, an ambulance, but it sounds like Amber Lamps. Amber <laughs> That's and then there are a bunch of remixes and stuff, uh, including one I, I added for you. Oh my God! These things aren't supposed to be funny. Ten years later, good lord. Oh, Black Betty Amber Lamps. Uh, that's a that's a pretty vicious fight video as well. It is. Um, There's uh, a lot of blood by the end of it. You know, oh, that one escaped me. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. You just probably don't remember. It, it's hard to distinguish one of these fights from another. It's just that this this one, this is one, yeah, where someone gets kind of opened up and you assume the old guy's going to get his ass kicked and really mm-hmm. like, I don't, don't want to fuck with an old person. Old man strength is real. Um, yeah, I'm just going to avoid that. Yeah, mm-hmm. stick to making fun of people on the internet, everyone. Uh, Valentine's Day moves. Or guess what? Don't do that either. <laughs> just be nice and don't do any mean things. Could... That's fun too. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's nothing's. I just haven't had anything like. And I've encountered nothing on multiple coasts and multiple states that merits me getting a fight over anything. No. Yeah, take mm-hmm. the parking spot. I don't yeah. give a shit. Like yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Nothing's nothing. worth it. Mm-hmm. Not yet. And uh, but I, you know, every once in a while, I get to stick up for somebody, but I hadn't seen that either. 
Valentine's Day, the movie with an M, uh, moves up to number one at the box office because women. <laughs> Women be loving Valentine's Women Day. Women be loving Valentine's Day. There's, there's nothing out to to go after for a Valentine's Day movie. That's true. Yeah. There's a bit of counter programming here, but uh, as the yeah. person it's meant for, I didn't like it. Uh, D- District 13, Ultimatum by David. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? What? Try and confuse Is she an ultimatum to go see District 13, the, yeah, su- the try- sequel to District 13? Um, I know. Try to confuse you about District yeah, 9? Yeah, d- they're, they're, they're building off of District 9. But mm. District, District 9 didn't have enough parkour in it and French true. dudes. Parkour. parkour! Hardcore parkour. Yeah, that's what the District 13 movies are, is they're, they're parkour movies. Oh. You know, It's an action movie, but there's going to be a, a whole ton of really cool stunts in parkour. From the place where parkour is invented. France. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that. <laughs> Why is that so funny? That I think it was the, Diana's just... pronunciation on France. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you should have just like folded your arms, made a face. France. <laughs> it can be your catchphrase. You can do it on stage. You can be the Lady Jeff Foxworthy with shit like that. Uh, also about The Good Guy, a movie I've never heard of with one person. Two people I have heard of. Andrew yeah. McCarthy and Anna Klumski. Her, your girl. My girl. My girl. Our girl. Our girl. My girl. Our girl. And Alexis Bledel, you've heard of her. Yeah. Have I? Rory from Gilmore Girls. Oh, he She's says... in Sin City. Okay, I got you. There, you, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Whipping out the spank bank and I found her. Um, <laughs> the good guy. Never heard of this. I'm just not buying this nice guy act, all right? How was book club? It's good. This is good going on. Nobody joins Wall Street without having some kind of a dark side. You're right. Wall Street is no place for an ambitious white male. <laughs> This is probably something Beth doesn't need to hear about. Unless you're trying to split us up. Daniel is totally in love with you. I was offered a promotion in San Francisco. I'd miss her like crazy, but it's only plain right, right? I just can't make up my mind. Heads you stay, tells you go. Yeah, trust me, okay? What do you want it to be? Stay. Such problems. Um, mm-hmm. This is not yeah, good. Yeah, so... I had not heard of this. It got a very tiny release, but I found it weird that, oh, it's in the same show as Boiler Room. Yeah. We've got like a romantic, you know, triangle type movie about an okay guy, but who works in finance and everyone thinks, oh, he must be a psychopath. And apparently he's just an okay guy. A good guy, even. Yeah. It's not a very good movie, though. It nah. looks looks like half Mumblecore, half yeah. uh, student film. Production. I got through. I watched. <laughs> Four half movies in this episode. <laughs> I don't know That's if there's fair. something wrong with my attention span this week or if I they're just not good movies. I mean, you were a whole week celebrating Oscar movies. It's true. Why have the patience for a bad one? Yeah, yes, that's mm-hmm. a great point. I watched Knives Out and had a great time. Oh, so good. Hell yeah. And, Love that. And, and uh, so and on that note, Scorsese, I, I love that Diana threw that back in my face. I said one of our greatest living directors. And I was like, mm-hmm. you can take out living. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. And this mm-hmm. movie is sort of a good example, sort of a bad... It's like a bad Scorsese movie, but it's still like better than any other director's mm-hmm. best movie. <laughs> yes, that's it's, a great way It's to an it. outlier Scorsese movie, too. I know, it's but, just like... Well, we it, can get to that in a minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It feels more It's like, just different. It feels more like a Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it, Scorsese... Yeah, he definitely has a style and stylizes things, but not mm-hmm. to this extent. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in like... It's just that, uh, yeah, the CG, the uh, 
I don't know, the horror atmosphere is that's kind of new for Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And I hate it because I remember being in the theater and then Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo comes up to Leonardo DiCaprio and then I'm like, I know the ending. Fuck, mm. this is stupid. It, like, mm. <laughs> I've seen this movie before when it was called The Ninth Configuration. Twinkle, twinkle, killer cane for you Brits. I, I, I forecasted everything that was going to happen a billion mm. miles away from the first mm. second because I don't think that's Scorsese's forte to have a giant twist yeah. at the end. Probably not. And uh, a bunch of, what do you want? What, <sighs> moody things in between. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's, but it's still interesting and I've seen it twice and I've never liked it very much. But it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, Ben Kingsley, Joe Williams, Emily Mortimer, and Max von Sydow in Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Marshal, welcome to Shutter Island. The boys seem a little on edge. Right now, we all are. We take only the most dangerous, damaged patients. This prisoner. When did she escape? It's as if she evaporated straight through the walls. Shh. No one wants to talk about this place, but it's like they're scared of something. You're a wrecking face. You'll never leave this island. This place is going to be the end of you. Shutter Island, rated R. In theaters February 19th. Yeah, a moodier film. I'm mm-hmm. glad he made it, but like... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's mm-hmm. this trailer especially makes it look like a straight-up horror film. Yeah, which it's yeah. not. Horror. <laughs> horror. Uh, yeah, which it's it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly it's, it's a, a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a detective who has to go to this island where there's a couple mental hospitals because they say this woman's disappeared, but he thinks they're covering something up. It's based on a Dennis Lehane novel. And yeah, I mean, I, I had a pretty good guess on what the, the Twister Rooney was going to be, but mm-hmm. I think they handle it better at the end than a lot of other movies. Okay. Should we spoil? Are we good with spoiling? I, sw- I swear, the opening scene is Leonardo DiCaprio on a ship and Mark Ruffalo like, hi, I'm in the bathroom. I'm your partner who you've never met before and you don't know where you are and who you are or why you're going to this mental hospital island. Mm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember why he's going. Isn't it, though, isn't that part of the storyline that he's are also having brain problems? Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh, I wonder. <laughs> and, and there's, a again, there's a very similar movie yes, out yes, there. Yes, yes, you're very smart. What? I, look, I, I, I love <laughs> Stacey Keach. What are you going to do? Watch it's yep. I think Figuration is a great movie. You should watch it. Um, yep. Actually, I, I mean, one of the first things I picked up on was they have a discussion that, where they make a big deal about like, oh yeah, Mark Ruffalo, you're from Portland, right? Or Seattle? And he's like, yeah, I'm wicked from Portland. <laughs> Wait, uh, so you spoil whatever you'd like, Diana. But if you haven't seen it by now, who cares? The statute of limitations is not ten years. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it turns out he's a patient. He's he's fucking nuts. But <laughs> but I mean, that's not everything. Now, here's here's the thing that I like about that ending, though, is because yeah, you could guess. All right, this is maybe it's all in his head, and then it turns out no, this was like an experimental thing to try to get through to him, and everyone's in on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but at the end, they don't do the thing like, for example, Joker just did. Where when they do a reveal, they go back to the shots from before and you see like, oh, she was never actually there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They never actually do that. So there is room for you to think maybe this is a conspiracy. Maybe he actually is a cop. And Ben Kingsley is fucking okay. lying to him now. Okay. okay. All right, I'll take it. There's a little bit of room there for it to be like, <laughs> maybe this is actually a trick. Oh, poopies. <laughs> do you do you think that's on purpose though or just like uh, locked i do into? 
I do. I, I think that they're trying to keep it nebulous. It's unclear. Gotcha. Maybe he's he has suffered some sort of injury. Maybe he's not on this island at all. Maybe he's strapped to a chair somewhere and he's hallucinating this whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, mm. what actually happened with his wife? Was it this story? Was it that story? I don't know. Hey, Memento's good movie. So you're right, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. <sighs> but it's pretty, and it's got a score that sounds like the Mad Max Fury Road one sometimes. It's it's very pretty. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to shit all over it, because a couple of my friends really liked it. It's just that, like, yeah, when... Dude, another movie did this exact thing, and it's that predictable from the mm-hmm. first scene. Uh, I, I got so mad because it's Scorsese and I expect like something I've never seen before from him most of the time because he's really good ones. He's really good if that's what you're going for. This is going to be like nothing you've ever seen. And the fact that yeah. it was bummed me out. So he's done, he's done thrillers before though. I mean, think about like yeah. Cape Fear. Totally. But I love Cape Fear. It's been a while, mm-hmm. but I like when he stretches, you know, it's like I did like the Irishman, but I like when he just does something like silence where it's just somewhere off in a different direction you know i have not seen silence as a big scorsese fan shame me shame uh, me yeah well it's it's a slow one it's definitely slow uh but this as a big scorsese fan i can say this is the last fiction film of his that i hadn't seen really i'm done now i got two documentaries to do you like fiction films Oh, fiction films. Yeah. <laughs> I got to watch Rolling Thunder Review and 50-Year Argument, and then I have seen everything Scorsese's ever made. Really? Even, wow. even some of the shorts. Even that even that dull Rolling Stones documentary? Shine a light? Yeah. Damn. Um, and Crossfire Hurricane. Crossfire Hurricane. Wow. I feel like you're just making things up now. No, no. It's a real thing. Scorsese is prolific. Uh, oh, and, yes. Uh, I, and I, I want that SCTV documentary. What? Damn it, Scorsese. Is he's, he working on He's supposed to be making an SCTV documentary. Oh, yes. Shit, that'd be amazing because I, I need to fill in my gaps there like a lot soon. Yeah. And uh, he's a good documentarian. Not a big surprise. The most SCTV I have seen recently is in that Netflix, uh, the movies that made us, and they show like John Candy backed out of being in Ghostbusters and they chose a little guy named Rick Moranis and started showing, <laughs> and I love seeing footage of Rick Moranis on SNL because he is the Dana Carvey of SCTV. He's mm. a fuck. Yeah. You think of him, he always plays a nerdy dad with glasses and most of the shit I was given, but he can do anything on, on SCTV. He's amazing. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah. I have never seen anybody, period, do a George Carlin impression except for Rick Moranis. Okay. <laughs> it's really good. Um, all right. Moving on to television, which is a little dull this yeah, week, um, but dull. O- only because it's, um, it's the Entourage guys trying to make a show not about incredibly wealthy people, yeah. but it, it follows the same format. Yeah, how to make it in America? Did you watch any of it? I did okay. until I got I like a little of really it. bored. Yeah, it's two seasons. Um, also starring Brian Greenberg, who mm-hmm. is in the Good Guy <laughs> that we just talked about, mm-hmm. um, with Lake Bell, Kid Cutie, um, a lot of other people, the mm-hmm. young people that I don't know. Um, but yeah, about <laughs> guys that are trying to make it. They had a skateboard business Mm -hmm. skateboard deck business and then they decided to branch out to jeans Mm -hmm. which Mm. i felt i always felt was kind of a weak storyline like we're gonna i'm sick of these jeans i'm gonna we're gonna make cool ones i need newer better jeans yeah uh what a heroic tale uh, 
I don't know. I, I know. They're like these other jeans, but they're more expensive I mean, and have better marketing. <laughs> One person who watched this and liked it, and they were really into Entourage, so there you go. Well, Entourage had that, it was called the male Sex in the City, which I don't think is fair to Sex in the City, because Sex in the City had fucking conflict and like <laughs> problems, whereas the Entourage guys, like, every episode ends with everything being awesome. And so did, mm-hmm. and for the first couple episodes, so did this. I remember there were like one episode... Well, one where like Bell was naked, but uh, and two, two, two like where something didn't go exactly their way, and there's some, it it was something that didn't grab hold, and I was worried about us seeing more of. Like, if I'm latching myself onto these people, maybe I only want to see good things happen. But it makes for a weird, and I think that's ultimately why Entourage is kind of shitty, because yeah. like it, it it is this horrible wish fulfillment thing with like almost no conflict. Well, and I mean, I don't know. I think that you're supposed to kind of see. Maybe I'm totally wrong about this, but I feel like you're supposed to kind of see the entourage entourage guys as silly, mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. kind of silly. Whereas I think these guys are supposed to have been seen as cool, yeah, and like mm-hmm. aspirational mm-hmm. in that way, and yeah. that makes it I don't know. No, it it, it was it a makes different it flavor. Hard to, harder to watch in a different way. I, I agree, and, yeah. and funnier die presents. I don't remember anything. I watched oh, all of it. I was super into this show. I mean, it was sketch comedy essentially. It was yeah, sketch yeah. comedy, and this is the reason why we have drunk history. Because Drunk History was a funnier diet short, oh, not, that on lived the on the internet. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they started playing fun, Drunk Did History they? sketches on this. Okay. Yeah. I don't That's what brought that. me ah. to Funnier well, Diet. I saw it presents. on their website. Yeah, me too. Between Two Ferns. I watched, yeah. I mm-hmm. watched, um, I first saw Drunk History on the internet with Jen Kirkman, who mm-hmm. is still my favorite Drunk History <laughs> drunk person. She's so good at it. And she gets so emotional, which mm-hmm. I can really understand. I think in that first episode, she ends up crying, which I'm like, <laughs> I feel you, sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but Funnier Die Presents is when they started showing the world who didn't look at funny things on the internet. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's Drunk History. And now we have a television show okay. that's like multi-multi-seasons, which I love. Yeah, it was on for a while. Yeah. Part- and they had other sketches that I don't remember, but I mainly remember Drunk History. I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to remember some standouts. I didn't hate it. I love sketch comedy. It's and my it favorite had, thing. Like, I remember mm-hmm. the like running in between mm-hmm. of the sketches of the guy who's like he's like at a lab basically, yes, like yeah. a humor lab, an older man. Um, I remember some Tim and Eric stuff in there. Yeah, and, yep, Tim and Eric's in there oh, for sure. Should have looked into this more, but uh, it uh, should have. I don't know. I think it had sort of a bad name, but yes, um, yeah, it, we, it, it's something I would really like to see on TV again. Because I love liquid television and mm-hmm. I love uh, shit like this. Just uh, little anthology things. Show me unrelated short films. I'm just going to be a happy boy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in video games of 2010, we have had a, 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 an episode of Devoid of Video Games. Luckily, you have a yeah. Patreon episode all devoted to 30 2010 video games with the Video Game Apocalypse crew uh, every single month. So check that out at patreon.com slash laser time. If you're willing to give us five bucks, try it for a month. If you don't like it, go ahead and cancel. We won't blame you. But uh, games this week... Really fun ones to talk about. Tropico 3, which is my introduction to that series. Deadly Premonition. And I remember oh. Diana knows what the deal is there, right? I know some of the deal. I know a lot of people. I don't. Was it very popular or just the people who love it love it? It is. It is by the standards of 2010, a bad game. And I remember talking to. Mm-hmm. A magazine editor who is like having a hard time with it, like this is a bad game, but I love it more than almost any game I played this year, and I don't know how to review this at all. Like I wow. want to, I want to recommend it to everybody, but according to how you review games of being good and having a good story and fun things to do, uh, and not being embarrassing, 
it was sort of a guy uh, inspired by Twin Peaks making a kind of meta game. I, I have not played much of this. I've only streamed a little bit of it. But uh, I've always meant to go back and finish it. But, like, yeah, the people who love this game fucking love it. And we'll talk more about that on the video game episode. But Diana can actually speak to some of these because it's a big week for Ace Attorney. we got Ace <gasps> Attorney and Justice for All hitting WiiWare. Gross. Not, that's not accessible anymore. <laughs> and Ace Attorney uh, Investigations, Miles Edgeworth, uh, is out this week. I think I played Edgeworth. Injustice for All. I don't know if I played Miles Edgeworth. Well, my problem is I played through those games. I do love those Ace Attorney's games. I play through them and then I completely forget what just happened. It's understandable. And then, and then the next game they'll be like, "Oh, this character that you loved so well," and I'm like, "What? You played a Ooh. visual novel more than once and you can remember this thing? Jesus!" Um, <laughs> but yeah, Ace Attorney games all have their certain charm, but two different, really different flavors at this point. Uh, with the Miles Edgeworth, the soul spinoff the U.S. got. And that is about it. I got to say, once again, this show is uh, executive produced by, I'm going to go for his whole name here, Jose Agustina Avila Perez, uh, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash lasertime. For the, for the price of a burger and fries, you can uh, support your favorite podcast like this one, 302010, Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, Bonus Time. Got some new Elm Street Nightmare coming at you, and some other new stuff as soon as possible. Uh, coming to exclusively to our patrons, and we do appreciate that. And we try and make it worth your while with a weekly uh, free show, uh, over a hundred movie commentaries, with hopefully more to come. Uh, stay with us, people. Uh, it's going to get weird, and we're if you can spare the five bucks, help us hang in there for another year. We truly appreciate it. Anyway, Diana, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, l e c i n e n e r d, or follow the show at thirty twenty ten podcast three zero two zero one zero podcast yes with those plugs out of the way and again listen to laser times oscar time we have a pretty macabre semi-drinkle show uh for the laser timers (laughs) up this week about stuff that they will not be streaming on disney plus maybe up to including the 10 minute 1946 animated classic the story of menstruation which i'm sure (laughs) was you know Get a refresher. I'm, I'm sure it was delicately built hmm. by 50 year old men <laughs> all the way through. Hmm. Um, I kind of forgot some parts of it, so I'm glad that we rewatched it. <laughs> it only takes 10 minutes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, a little bit of your song of the Sals. And but again, I wanted to stress that like the Mickey Mouse Club, where is that supposed to go if not Disney Plus? Right from but I'm not Jeez. nostalgic for that show either, but I'm not, I think it's stupid to be nostalgic for all that. But again, I understand if you are. are. Yeah, like I'm vaguely nostalgic for you can't do them television. That show's terrible. Hmm. Uh, but but this show doesn't exist anywhere and has a lot more stars that came from it. I feel like hmm. overall, a lot of people who say they are nostalgic for these old television shows from their childhood are mainly just nostalgic for the theme songs. It's true. Hmm. I think It'll, you watch past the theme song and you're like, but you watch that theme song, it really puts you in the right mood. I was in some conversations where we had data to that effect. You have nostalgic, nostalgia for these shows, are willing to buy merchandise with them on them, but you will not watch them. Right. Uh, but, but still, like, where does that go if not Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Who is going to license the Mickey Mouse Club? True. Uh, if Blackbeard's Ghost can make it on there, <laughs> why, not, why not six seasons of the show starring Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Ryan Gosling? Justin Timberlake, J.C. Chavez. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't you be allowed to see that? Yeah, that's up on Laser Time. Video Game Apocalypse every week. We've just wrapped up our best games of the decade. It's been a while, but it's... it's And I think we're doing some Black History stuff uh, for February, including Black Protagonists, as well as talking about new releases and uh, the news surrounding the video game world. Check that out. Diana, with those plugs of the way, we got to see who died and who lived. The deaths this week. Ah, oh, deaths this week, bummers. Uh... 
I mean, okay, they're bummers if you're a film nerd. So in 2010, we lost Catherine Grayson, who was 88. She was a actress slash opera singer. Uh, she's, uh, she's in Anchors Away and Kiss Me Kate and Showboat, stuff like that. <laughs> and then, then in 1990, we lost filmmaker Michael Powell, who was 84. I can tie this all together in that uh, Shutter Island was edited by Scorsese's longtime editor, Thelma Shoemaker, one of the best in the business, who was married to Michael Powell, even though they're like 40 years apart. Anyway, uh, yeah, Michael Powell passed away. He was 84 in 1990, and he made some of the best movies that y'all should really check out, like uh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, Red Shoes, Matter of Life and Death, one of the weirdest movies about the afterlife I've ever seen, Peeping Tom, one of the first horror movies, like proper modern horror movies, and 49th Parallel, which is uh, a good... uh, bunch of people during the war trapped in a building kind of movie mm. i love all of those and black narcissus which is like nuns going crazy on top of a mountain everyone <laughs> loves that <laughs> you had me at nuns go crazy mm. nuns going crazy nuns going crazy and with that we got to figure out who was born the birthday quiz oh i'm on a roll baby i'm on a roll birthday oh birthday is a doodly do a ding dong goodly doodly ding dong do oh I'm really curious to see how this goes. Born February 15th, 1820. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Celebrating her 200th birthday, she was born in Adams, Massachusetts, a liberal Quaker from a family of social reformers who began fighting for abolition and helping Harriet Tubman. Mary Pickford. Good guess. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> She was radical, even among abolitionists, for wanting full equality of races and genders. Yeah, interesting lady already, huh? So she organized, lectured, wrote, ran a newspaper, started the National American Women's Suffrage Association, or as we know it today, League of Women Voters. Susan Banthony? It's Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> oh, that's, the B is pronounced. Got it. All right. I've been writing that yep. down. I've been quoting her incorrectly. Yep. So. She challenged the law to by trying to vote 50 years before it was legal. She got arrested, forced to trial. She died at age 86 in 1906, 14 years before uh, the 19th Amendment was ratified. And now every election day, women of the Rochester, New York area go put their I voted stickers on her grave. Yep. How do you feel about Susan not getting that Anthony was so <laughs> woke. Yeah, I guess by association, so am I. I will accept your congratulations <laughs> at lasertimepodcast.com. Please let us know what you think about these things. I do, we do appreciate your feedback because, I don't know, so I, both both that uh, there's a living archive of thoughts that aren't just ours on this thing and that, you know, part of, part of doing this is that some stuff deserves love even if it's not beloved mm-hmm. and we can't always do that for things. You saw me try and sing the praises of Madhouse. Come on, people. Help me. <laughs> Help, help me out here. I couldn't have been the only kid with an HBO free preview tape. But, and I, I cut short all the different things I would say about Shutter Island, but I'm sure other people have other opinions. So It's true. I, yeah, maybe yep. you love it. Maybe you were young and naive and thought it was a great movie. Um, <laughs> that's what we're here but, for. What? It's true. It could happen. There's stuff in there that's good. Dude, I grew up I watching know. Mystery Science Theater 3000 and them shitting on everything I currently love because they hated all things new. I didn't hate them because of it. It's just the mm-hmm. way it is. They they were they were colored by a lifetime of different shit when I was just starting to watch stuff. Hmm. It's okay. It's I don't. Okay. We're, we're we're still friends. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna close out with song for whoever. That's really the name of the song by Beautiful South, not of the U.S. That is not right. the band name. Yes. Uh, no. been, sorry for Ron Burgundy earlier. I'm usually <laughs> better than that. Uh, tell a Happy friend. Happy bicentennial, Susan B. Anthony. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm surprised you got that. 
I was, it was my next oldest lady I could get. Like, I didn't know where else to I was, go. I felt like I was slow pitching that right at Sarah. I felt nope. like it was too easy. That's why I didn't guess it. <laughs> Sarah told me off mic she'd never heard of Susan B. Anthony. Even if she had, she <gasps> would think she was a B word. You are a liar. She, she did say that earlier. <laughs> oh, we're in a fight now. <laughs> going to get her in so much trouble. Uh, register th- to vote, you assholes. Yes, register to vote. And vote the right way also. <laughs> yes. No. I don't mind saying it vote. at this point. I don't care. I don't um, care who you vote for as long as you vote. That's because anybody listening to the thoughts of other people is probably going to vote Democrat. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Song for Whoever. We'll close out with that by Beautiful South. Love you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Song for you, Jennifer Anderson, Philip Sue.